Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions and provides unbiased answers. Invest Talk, over 31 million downloads and counting. I wanted to get your opinion on ticker symbol. I just really like it as a long term play. I uh, appreciate the show, appreciate all the knowledge. Thanks, guys. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, October 28th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And the calendar tells us we are well into autumn. And in parts of the country, the temperatures are reflecting that reality. Minnesota, high reached of 50 degrees. I actually talked to uh, somebody from Minnesota, Minnesota yesterday. And here in Southern California, still warm. LA got to 89 today. But regardless of where you are, the task of building your own version of financial freedom must go on. And we're living in a time where you can't let yourself become distracted. There's a lot of information coming at you, and I'm here to help decipher it for you. Now, on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So no matter what I'm talking about, stock, strategy, sector, I'm going to present it all without bias, using the data I have in front of me and 20 plus years of investment experience to give you a bit of context, which is always very important. Trying to unpack the pros and the cons of every potential decision that you might make. Because there's always a pro and a con. And you need to be thinking about that. Otherwise, you're missing the big picture. So I'm Justin Klein. And, and of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And you can do that right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave a question on our Anytime Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. 888-99-CHART. So let's get to our first listener question now, and it's going to be Ken in Daly City. He's looking at VCAIX, which is the Vanguard California Intermediate Term Tax-Exempt Bond Fund. Do you own this or are you looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it uh, because I wanted to add a bond fund to my portfolio, so I want to know what your thoughts are on this one. Okay. Well, is this a taxable account, I'm assuming? This is correct. Okay. So that's what you're looking for here. Uh, you live in Daly City, so uh, you're, you're getting that, uh, that tax break there. First question is, are you in a high tax bracket, middle tax bracket, low tax bracket? Uh, high tax bracket. High tax bracket. Okay. So that's those, that, a lot of people who are in middle or low tax brackets, they, 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 they see the tax-exempt status, and they feel like that's uh, a big win for them. Uh, but it really is only designed for those in high tax brackets because um, the yields are naturally very low, and this only 2%. So it's not a bad fund. Uh, four stars, fairly low fee, 0.17% expense ratio. So I have nothing wrong with it. Just The, the issue is fixed income in general. Uh, Inflation is likely to be higher than 2%. And so your I wouldn't have too much in it. Uh, are you are you an aggressive investor? Are you more moderate, conservative? And how much bond exposure do you have now? Uh, this, I don't have much bond 
exposure and I'm slightly aggressive. This is my initial uh, tiptoeing into the bond fund. Got it. Okay. So if you don't really have any exposure already, I think this is a good way to go. Uh, it's broad-based. Uh, like you said, you're in a high tax bracket. You live in California. Uh, it's low expenses. Once again, I wouldn't overload it. I wouldn't get too much. But if you're trying, if you have none, a small amount of bonds is not a big deal. Um, give you a little bit of ballast, lower the overall risk of your of your portfolio, some diversification there. So I don't mind it. Just make sure it doesn't get too big of your overall nest egg. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Third quarter economic growth may not paint a pretty picture, and it actually didn't. It came in about 2% GDP growth, and we're going to look at the U.S. economic recovery and how it slowed sharply over the third quarter, mainly because products remained stranded at ports, uh, employers struggled to find good workers, and consumers battled with higher prices. So we're going to dig into the details of that story. Also, the FTC is scrutinizing Facebook's disclosures and what that might mean for the social media giant who now is changing their name. Shocker. Uh, and then wage price uh, hikes. Are we entering wage price spiral uh, territory where we're 50%, $15 minimum wage is going to be not something that's legislated, but it will just be part of the supply-demand dynamic of the labor market, potentially. And so we're going to look at that. And then lastly, electric vehicles. Uh, are they really cheaper to fill up than your gas car? Well, the answer is probably yes, but the gap is not nearly as big as a lot of people uh, think. And that's for various reasons, and we're going to dig into that potentially. Now let's look at the market today. You had the S&P up 44 points, about 1% there after a, a modest sell-off yesterday. The NASDAQ, that had uh, the best strength, although after hours, you're starting to see some weakness. Uh, the earnings from Amazon and Apple were uh, definitely weaker than expected, and those are taking a, a bit of a hit there. And you're seeing actually the almost the entire move of today on the queues has been reversed already after hours. Now, this is still after hours. It's early. You could have uh, that change tomorrow. But that's what you're seeing right now. You had some companies do very well uh, today in the market. Uh, you know, we're still in the midst of earnings season. And the market's looking a lot at, uh, at those reports and punishing companies like Twilio. Uh, in a big way, but also rewarding certain companies like Lending Club and Overstock as well. So very uh, a very mixed bag uh, of earning in their earnings announcement for today. Uh, but overall, it was positive day in the market, closing at new highs. And we'll shift to the Fed. The Fed announcement member is next week, and everyone's focused on earnings season, Halloween. Well. Uh, less than a week from now, you're going to have the unveiling of the taper plan from the Fed and how the market will react to that will be very, very important. Now, we're moving into a quick break. and My phone lines are open, so give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. Best Talk Voice Bank 
never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. Question about P.E. ratios. And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance. If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year. No question is too simple. Wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast. My wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless. That's fairly inexpensive for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF. Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. With inflation impacting all areas of the global economy, how should investors adjust their strategy to take advantage of emerging opportunities? You'll get the answer to this and other key questions at the free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar. And it's happening on Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. But you've got to register. And now Steve and Justin are ready to take your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Jose from New Jersey. I was calling about MPW, Medical Properties Trust. I owned it for about two years. It's really not going anywhere. It pays a good dividend. I was just wondering if I should keep it or sell it. And by the way, you guys do a great job. Love your show. Thank you. All right, looking at Medical Properties Trust, and this is a real estate investment trust that invests in healthcare facilities, mainly here in the U.S., has some, uh, some properties in Germany, the United Kingdom as well. And it has, let's see, it provides financing for a variety of facilities that require funds for acquisition, lease back, lease, sale leasebacks, new developments, and expansion projects. And so it's broadly diversified. So I like that. But it's very slow growth, very slow growth. You're talking uh, about earnings that will come in this year at, or in this case, funds from operation. Remember, uh, REITs have a different measurement of quote unquote earnings. They call it, it's called fund funds from operations. It's calculated differently. So understand that. Second off, this year, 2021, funds from operations supposed to be at a dollar thirty six per share, and that's down from dollar fifty seven last year and a dollar thirty in 2019. So you're seeing not a whole lot of growth. 2015, they made a dollar twenty five. So you're talking over six seven year time period. Very modest seven eight percent growth in 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 profits. That worries me. Um, so I don't hate it. It's not a bad company. Um, it's just you're not going to get a lot of growth here. So um, I would be looking for other REITs than this. Now we're heading for a break and then back to a live call next on Invest Talk. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? 
Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24 7. Don't forget to call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Let's go to Mike in Livermore looking at Sam, S A M, which is Boston Beer Company. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I have a small position. But uh, what's been happening, I thought I'd talk to an expert. It just seems for it's been just being hit really hard for that seltzer problem for, you know, mm-hmm. a $6 billion company, and it's just dropping like crazy. And I wanted to take a bigger position, but I thought I'd better call first. Okay, yeah. Well, this is uh, Boston Beer Company, and uh, they are down 63% from their 52-week high, or their all-time high. And this is on the back of an earnings report that they they basically overproduced their seltzer truly, and uh, it's building up uh, across the country, so uh, inventories, and that's going to slow their demand for their product. In fact, uh, uh, the the next earnings announcement that just recently came out was earnings were down 51% year over year. Earning uh, revenue was only up 14% year over year, and so margins are getting squeezed now. The big question is, how much will the 2022 earnings projections of $18 come down? That's really the the, the big question. Is uh, pre-pandemic they were making $8.69 in 2019, $14.68 last year, and then expected to only make $6.06 this year. Um, I'm going to say this is getting to a point where it looks fairly cheap and into some major support. But I would say the major support level isn't till about four hundred dollars per share. Now it's at four ninety six spot sixty one. So there still could be potentially more downside here. Uh, they just came out with earnings, so I don't think major downside in the near term is um, likely unless they pre-announce for next quarter or something like that. Um, and that's really the big question: is what will the the coming quarters look like? Will they be able to trend back to? mid to low teens uh, in earnings. If that if that's the case, I think it's pretty inexpensive. If it trends back to high single digits like you had pre-pandemic, then it's very expensive. Okay, um, so that's, that's really the, the big question here. I'm actually looking at the name. It is interesting to me, uh, but $400 is that area that makes me um, interested and excited about the name. And, and I'm also watching volume. You're, you're seeing the, it just kind of trickle lower on not a big spike in volume. And if I see a big spike in volume or potential reversal, then I would get more excited and more ready to, to buy shares. I'm not really seeing that yet. Even after this earnings announcement, it was up that day. It's retraced all those uh, all those gains. Um, and it's just kind of meandering here, right around $500 per share. Uh, and it tells me that it, it probably wants to trickle lower uh, the next major support is around 430. So between 400 and 4, call it 35. Uh, that's an area that's interesting to me. But I also need to line it up with some sort of signal that cap- there's capitulation. That all those buyers that drove it uh, from uh, pre-pandemic levels of what about or uh, post-pandemic levels of a little under $300 per share, all the way to a 52-week high of $1,350 share. That's a 
over a thousand point, point move. There's a lot of buyers in there that still need to be, I think, shaken out, uh, a lot of weak hands. And until I get a signal that there's some sort of spike in volume, I'm not convinced that this downtrend is going to end. Um, but I like that it's on your watch list. You own a little bit of it. I still think it's a good company, uh, but clearly the oversupply of Trulies throughout the, the, the country uh, has created a big problem for them. Uh, so I'd be a bit patient, but keep it on your watch list. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Third quarter economic growth may not paint a pretty picture. And in fact, it did not. Came in at 2% quarter over quarter. The average analyst was expecting it to come in at 2.8%. So a little bit of a miss there. Interesting stocks were up on that news. Um, and that's really that's really uh, probably an indication that the, the market is saying, well, the Fed's not going to taper maybe as fast because of the economic number. But I don't think that's really true. I think that this slowdown, which is the lowest growth since the pandemic started, was really driven by port issues, uh, employers struggling to find good workers, and consumers clearly battling with higher prices. And this did beat the Atlanta Fed GDP Now tracker, which was at 0.2%. So they had a barely positive GDP expectation on that front. And they lowered it because of lower outlook for government spending, no stimulus package passed yet, and real net exports increasing. So ex net exports going going, I guess you could say down uh, in, into a deeper negative number. And that's always a drag on GDP. Now, the slowdown is the result of a lot of factors. Once again, bottle chain, uh, sorry, supply chain bottlenecks uh, that will likely ease here in the next uh, month or so. Um, and that will probably bring stronger growth in the final quarter. In fact, the expectation now for the fourth quarter it, by Jeffries is for it to come in at about 8% GDP growth for the fourth quarter. Now, Goldman, now these estimates are, are down from where they were earlier in the year, but for 2021, full year outlook, still supposed to grow 5.6% this year, 4% next year. And uh, I think the, the big thing that could hold back the economy is really energy prices. If you see a big surge in energy prices uh, beyond what you've already seen, I think that could crimp economic activity. Uh, and production of oil and natural gas is still below, 15 to 20% below pre-pandemic levels. And I think that's the biggest risk to the economy. Now we're heading into a break. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process, 
designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Joe from Greenville, South Carolina. I have a question about ETFs. For example, SPY. If you buy the SPY now, will it change as far as its holdings, say, in 20 years when, you know, the top 500 companies are probably going to look a little different than they do today? Is that just based on when you buy it? And how does that work with all ETFs as far as when they're first established, are they set with certain companies and that never changes? Or does it change with like a SPY or the Russell 3000 or anything like that? I'll look forward to your answer on the podcast. Thanks, guys. It's a great question. And the answer is yes, it does change. And this goes for all ETFs. There are there are ETFs that track certain indices, and there are, there are ETFs that are actively managed. Now, obviously, actively managed ones, they change consistently, uh, maybe every day. Uh, they buy new positions, sell certain positions uh, based on redemptions and money flow, how the market changes, etc. And that's up to a, a team, usually, of managers that make those decisions. And um, there, there can be, there are great ones uh, out there. Um, but the vast majority of money in ETFs today are in index funds of some kind. You mentioned SPY, that's the main one, the SP 500. And the answer is the components of the S&P itself change on uh, a fairly consistent basis. I don't know what, I, I forget what the calendar is. I know it's a, a, at least once a year, maybe even more. Um, but there is a group at S&P, right? it's the S&P 500, the Standard & Poor's. 
And that's a company, and that's a group of people that control the S&P 500 and who is in it. They drop certain certain companies for various reasons, and they have kind of their, their process of picking those that uh, are uh, maybe no longer worthy of being in in the index. Maybe their business is struggling too much, so the leadership change. Maybe they, they got bought out, and they need to replace it with uh, another company, and they do that all the time. And there's rebalancing within a, a period of time. So they announce it and they say, you know, that you, you, that it's going to be effective at this date, the, the, yes, the indices, right? This is not just the S and P, this is all the all the indices that are out there. Uh, they change on a periodic basis. And so over time, even though you're holding the same SPY or whatever that ETF is, the actual components of that ETF will change based on this, the leadership within the particular index fund company uh, and what they decide on who should be in the index and who should be out of the index. And this is why I always say everyone thinks indexes are static. Well, they're not. They're actively managed. They're just not managed by some uh, manager within the fund company. They're managed by the ETF or the, sorry, the index provider uh, and the team that works on that. In fact, there are companies that, uh, gear themselves and know what S and P and Dow and Nasdaq and, and, and these these bigger index providers, the MSCI, what they look for in companies to be a part of the index. Because what happens now with the the index craze is there is now money just naturally flowing into these indexes. And if you're a company, you want those fund flows. You want to be part of an index so that you're getting some of those fund flows. And so a lot of companies kind of uh, gaming that whole system as well. And then you add on top of that where these large billionaires that own big portions of some of these major companies, they are um, they, they are benefiting greatly because they're part of that index. And then they don't, this is why they're doing the billionaire tax because a lot of those billionaires, they don't want to sell their stock. They keep holding their stock. They borrow against it. It's called, it's called buy, borrow and die where you own assets, whether you bought them or maybe you founded a company or whatever, a Jeff Bezos of the world, and you don't sell your shares, you borrow against it. So you never pay capital gains on it. And then you, when you die, you get the stepped up basis and you have never paid capital gains on those particular, that, that particular position. So that's why Congress is kind of doing that. So it's kind of an offshoot uh, topic there. But yes, the indexes do change. Some get added, some get dropped for various reasons. Thanks for the call. Now, the next invest talk, the story behind this headline, the market is starting. Oh, never mind. That's on. the. Oh, yeah. The market is starting to price in more interest rate hikes than the Fed is indicating. The majority of Fed officials who have spoken on inflation say they think it's temporary and likely to clear up once supply chain issues have dissipated. But many traders are expecting a more aggressive response by the Federal Reserve. And Steve will walk through that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. And we're going to pivot quickly to Facebook. I think this is a very big story. The FTC, Federal Trade Commission staffers, have begun looking in to the disclosures that Facebook's internal company research had identified uh, that ill effects from its products. And this could be in violation of the 2019 settlement. Do you remember the uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal? Scandal? Scandal. Scandal. Well, they settled with the FTC back then, 
And part of that settlement said that it required Facebook to toughen its privacy and data security protections. And this could be in violation of that. Now, the Facebook documents have triggered a lot of these calls from those in Washington and children advocates for uh, the FTC to investigate whether Facebook engaged in misleading conduct. There have been lawmakers uh, across the aisle, Democrat and Republican, some sent a letter to the FTC on October 8th and urged them to use its enforcement powers to make sure that all powerful technology platforms comply with their public statements and policies on children and teen privacy. And I think this is the angle that they're going to take is it's really hard to say, well, you're taking advantage of adults who if you kind of are somewhat educated, you know that these platforms are bad for you, that, 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 they, that they stoke uh, a lot of emotion and uh, make people more polarized. And I don't think people are going to really get behind something that, that's targeting adults who have free will. But if you start to target their practices relating to children who – most people would argue don't have their own free will when they're that young. I think that's that's an angle that could absolutely work. And, and the scrutiny on Facebook and, and big tech is fairly bipartisan. And this is why I think Facebook has by far out of the, the big fang names. Now it's going to be uh, what Meng because it's, uh, it's they changed their name to Meta, Meta for Metaverse. And I think that's something that will. Uh, that's something um, that that Facebook or Meta now will have over their head a lot more than other companies. Not that Google and Apple and, and Amazon don't have their own issues as well, uh, but Facebook it's fairly clear cut. You can use they, they're going to start using the the children and teen angle, and I think it's actually going to work. Um, and so that's what worries me the most uh, about this. And now that you have Lena Khan, who is a big critic of big tech. She is the head of the FTC, not just some player. She is the head of the FTC, and she's, she aims to make the commission a more energetic industry watchdog, and I think she's about ready to do it. So uh, be careful there on Facebook. I think that is the first of the big tech companies to have a big crackdown from Washington. Now let's put it back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm an investor since uh, March and have been uh, listening to your podcast since then. I've got a question as it relates to master limited partnerships. I invested in a couple uh, limited partnerships back in uh, March and April, Enterprise Products Partners and Brookfield Infrastructure partners. Both you, uh, both Steve and Justin, you both uh, mentioned the tax implications uh, that can come with the limited master partnerships, as well as uh, the headaches that come with the uh, documentation, the K-1 form to be more specific. My question is, is that something, uh, you know, being a first-time investor uh, and not going through uh, and doing my taxes, uh, I typically do those my own. Is that something I should try and avoid and just get out of those now? Uh, I do have a money market account, so I don't have to worry about any of the issues as it relates to having any sort of tax deferred issues. So, uh, you know, again, my question is as it relates to the master limited partnerships and the tax implications. Thanks. Well, you already bought them and you already own them this year. Uh, so you're going to get a K-1. So 
that's that's well and gone. Because you sell it today doesn't mean that absolves you of the K K one reporting. But maybe you know we're getting close to the end of the year. Maybe you make the decision that I don't want to own these going forward, and you sell them by the end of the year. It's one way to think about it. Okay. Um, that's what we did for clients. We decided our clients, uh, their issues within, within IRAs, uh, their issues within, uh, taxable accounts. Um, no matter what you're going to get a K one, a lot of clients don't like that. So, so we just don't buy them for clients. Uh, so that's, that may be a decision that you make. Uh, K ones aren't that complex. Uh, I really think the biggest issue is within a, an IRA or a 401k where, uh, now you're taxing that money because it's uh, too much of income. Uh, you're owning too much of it, and that creates a separate issue. Uh, and a taxable account, you know, m- maybe use this as, as the year to figure out: Do you want to own own them anymore? Sell them by the end of the year. Uh, deal with the K ones for 2021, uh, when you file your taxes, and figure out: Was this too complex? Is it too much of a pain? Or am I okay with it? And maybe you're okay with it. You go buy them buy them back because you you like some of them. Um, and also you have to understand this, this, these aren't qualified dividends. They're taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. So what is your income tax rate? Is it high or is it low, uh, or is it in the middle? Uh, and that's something to consider as well. So I never try to make a hard and fast rule. Um, but everyone's and everyone's situation is a little bit different. Some people are more geared towards income, uh, are in a higher tax bracket. Some are more towards growth and in a lower tax bracket, everyone is different and you have to decide for yourself. Um, But glad you know about that. You understand the consequences. uh, And this is part of the learning process of being an investor and learning the pros and cons of every investment. And with mass and limited partnerships or any type of limited partnership, this is probably the biggest drawback is getting that K-1 and dealing with it at tax time. Now, we are headed into the, the holiday season. And I think it's worth Taking just a minute to make you aware of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California. It's where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. We don't just push a book. We're here to give you unbiased advice and want you to share in our success. And the way we do that is we practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients, which means that when we go and buy a position within a particular strategy, want to buy, say, 3% of, a, of the portfolio in a particular name, uh, our system will tell us this account needs 28 shares, this account needs 112 shares, this account needs 52 shares, etc. We go buy that all at the same time, the total amount. So at the bottom, it says need to buy 7,822 shares. We buy that. It averages out in our block account and allocates to everybody within that particular strategy at the same price, including ourselves, at the same time on the buy side and the sell side. That's how parallel investing works. Very simple, very easy with technology these days, uh, but not a lot of people can say they do that. So that's how we implement our parallel investment strategies uh, that we do for ourselves uh, as, well for, as well as for our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review, review, portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our office at 800-557-5461. We would love to help you in any way. Now, up next, another listener question here on Invest Talk. Hi there. I have a question regarding DAFs, donor-advised funds. I've worked hard all my life. I've accumulated uh, sufficient cash for retirement, and I'd like to think about 
uh, charitable contributions, and one of those brought to my attention was the DAF. I think Fidelity and Schwab Vanguard have a program to allow that, but wonder if you had any thoughts, advice, suggestions on uh, on utilizing that for charitable gifting. Thanks so much, and I'll listen for your answers. Donor-advised funds. Um, I have heard of, of this. I don't know a whole lot uh, about it. Uh, basically, it just allows you, I think, to – uh, to take an immediate deduction and have a little, but have a little bit more control over uh, those assets and when they actually transfer to the the charity. Um, I don't think there's there's anything wrong with it. Uh, like I said, the the big brokers uh, do offer that, and you can grow your donation tax free and support them over time. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, there are another thing called charitable remainder trust. This is a great one for people that have big uh, capital gains on homes and businesses, such like that. Um, so that's another way to do it as well. This is Invest Talk. We're heading into our last break, so give me a call at 888 99Chart. No two portfolios are alike and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Becky in Seattle looking at Smartsheet. S-M-A-R. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Um, I'm looking to buy it. Um, I noticed that their recent earnings has been pretty good, but their stock kind of took a beat after the earnings. So I'm not sure if I should wait a bit more to um, get some. Okay. Uh, so let's say, why why do you like this company? What, what makes you so interested in it? Um, I have friends that work there, and they told me that um, the company has been growing, um, growing, growing um, since COVID, and um, they're hiring a lot. So I think it's an opportunity here since they're expanding. Okay. Well, you're right. They are definitely growing. Over the last year or so, revenue growth has been about 40 45% year over year. They are losing more and more money, though. That's uh, that's really the issue. So just because they're expanding, the question is, are they expanding and allocating shareholder capital well? And so far, they, they really have not. They're, they're issuing shares. Or, or number of shares outstanding went from $18 million in 2018 to $123 million trailing 12 months. months. And uh, But... The positive is they finally, over the last 12 months, have turned an operating positive operating cash flow. So that's good that they're they at least in a short period of time have turned their business cash flow positive. So that's my uh, the biggest thing I like about the name. Uh, the biggest thing I don't like about the name is the multiples that it's trading at. You're talking about a company that last quarter did 131 million dollars in revenue. And it's an $8.7 billion market cap. Okay, so that's my biggest issue here. Now, they don't have any debt, so that's good. They have about uh, $440 million uh, in cash on their balance sheet. 
so they're they're very liquid. So they're able to to deal with uh, this small loss, small cash flow burn uh, that they're in now. Um, but that's really the issue: is will they be able to grow? consistently over a long period of time. Now, what they do for everyone else out there, you, you know, because you, your friends work there, uh, but they provide a cloud-based platform for work execution. It helps teams and organizations plan, capture, manage, automate, and report on work uh, at scale. Um, so it's a, it's a work efficiency platform, and clearly it's getting more and more adoption, but the question is, at what pace uh, and will they be able to come become profitable um, you know, as bigger platforms? Think of Microsoft Teams. Will they take some of their uh, Smartsheets uh, software or ideas and implement into Teams? Teams is going to be a bit much bigger part of Windows 11, for example. Um, so that's really the worry here is that they won't be able to really grow into this very high valuation that you're at today, trading at 17 times enterprise value to revenue, which anything over 10 is is relatively expensive. Uh, and now you look technically, it is below most of the major moving averages. Uh, and it, so I wouldn't say it's bearish, um, but on a weekly chart, it's definitely losing some momentum. And I would say it's it's neutral. So it's interesting to me. I'd continue to watch it, but at these valuations, uh, I'm just not getting excited about it. Thanks for the call, Becky. 888-99 chart, 888-992-4278. Let's touch quickly on wage growth. And the big question here is, will, will enough workers come back to work? And that's really what policymakers are going to need to focus on because labor supply has uh, been shrinking. It still remains well below pandemic levels. Uh, wage inflation is now up to 5.4, uh, sorry, 4.6% here in America in September, year over year. Problem is CPI was at 5.4. So real, real, real incomes are falling. In Germany, the inflation was 4.1 and public sector workers are asking for a 5% increase. So they're trying to keep up with that. And that's really what drives uh, those wage increases are the, the inflation rates. People need to keep up with rent and, and cost of living increases. Um, and so far, we're not getting that supply of, of new workers that have come, that come back to, to the workforce. And that's really what you have to watch for. Otherwise, you're going to continue to see wage inflation spiral higher. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, now over 35 million. Independent thinking and shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.